state of Utah in Grand County and San Juan. They dig the yellow stuff that makes the atom bomb. They do the uranium miners boogie. It's uranium miners boogie. It's uranium miners boogie. They dig digging all day long. You are listening to Men in Lead Aprons. Everything you might want to know about radiation, the good, the bad, and the not yet known. This is a regular podcast from the Columbia University Center for Radiological Research from the heart of New York City. And here are your hosts, Dr. Eric Hall and Dr. David Brenner. Hello, and uh, welcome back to Men in Lead Aprons, a series of podcasts from the Center for Radiological Research at Columbia University in the heart of New York City. This is episode eight, and today we will be talking about making the radiotherapy decision. What's involved with choosing the right cancer therapy should you or your loved one be diagnosed with cancer? My name is Eric Hall, and for more than 20 years, I was director of the Center for Radiological Research at Columbia University. And let me now introduce my fellow man in the lead apron, David Brenner, who is the current director of the center. Uh, Good morning, Eric. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the general ideas behind treatment options for cancer, with a particular focus, of course, on radiation therapy. In future Men in Lead Apron podcasts, we'll focus on some of the more common cancers, such as breast and prostate cancer. Do you remember, David, some 20 years ago, we wrote a book together having the title, Making the Radiotherapy Decision. This was intended to help patients who had recently been diagnosed with cancer to make up their minds on the most appropriate treatment option. Uh, That's right, and I would say that all the treatment options are rather better than they were, say, 20 years ago, plus there are a variety of promising new treatments. So let's uh, start at the very beginning. Tell us, what is cancer? Well, cancer is a pretty broad description of many different diseases, uh, maybe a hundred or more. What they have in common is cells that are dividing and multiplying more rapidly than normal. Some cells in the body are actually designed to divide and multiply to replace cells that have grown old or damaged. But this is controlled cell division. Cancer involves uncontrolled cell division. But David, not all uncontrolled cell division leads to cancer. Uh, That's right, Eric. Tumors can be uh, either benign or they can be malignant. And it's the malignant type that we usually call cancer. And that means that the tumor has the ability to grow and invade neighboring tissues and organs. And you said there are many different types of cancer. Is that true? For sure. A cancer can originate in almost any organ of the body. So we have breast cancer, prostate cancer, lung cancer, brain cancer, and so on. And cancers in the bone, those are called sarcomas, and cancers of blood cells, and those are called leukemias and lymphomas. So, David, what are the principal ways of treating cancer? Well, when we wrote our book uh, a couple of decades ago, there were basically three main ways. Uh, nowadays, it's, it's rather more complicated. So, so let's take a look. So the big three are still surgery, radiation therapy, and chemotherapy. And I would say that more than uh, 90% of all cancer patients are going to get one or more of these three. So let's talk about these one at a time. Let's start with surgery. So surgery is just what it implies. Here the goal is generally to cut out and remove the entire tumor. And that's very attractive. I think all patients, all cancer patients, would just like their tumor gone. 
but there are plenty of situations where it's not the best option. If the tumour has spread, for example, surgery might not be practical. If the tumour is very close to some critical organ, again, surgery might not be practical. And of course, surgery is the very essence of an invasive treatment, so the patient may not be healthy enough to undergo surgery. Okay, that's clear. Now, now let's move on to chemotherapy. So chemotherapy is the use of anti-cancer drugs to kill or shrink the tumour. And unlike surgery or radiation therapy, which we'll come to in a moment, chemotherapy targets dividing cells throughout the body uh, rather than just in the tumour. So a concern always with chemotherapy is, is tough side effects. Chemotherapy has certainly improved in the past uh, 20 years or so. Uh, it's generally more effective and less toxic than used to be the case. I'm glad to hear that. So now let's talk about radiation therapy. So radiation therapy, um, like surgery, but unlike chemotherapy, radiation therapy is aimed directly at the tumour. But unlike surgery, it's generally a non-invasive option. And how does radiation therapy work? So we know that high doses of radiation are very efficient at killing cells. So the goal here is to give a very high radiation dose to every single cell in the tumour. So the key to radiation therapy is to give as much radiation dose as possible to the tumour while giving as little as possible radiation dose to the surrounding healthy normal tissue. And all the different radiation therapy types that we're going to discuss today have this at their very heart. Give as much dose as possible to the tumour and give as little to the surrounding healthy normal tissue as possible. So these are the big three treatments, surgery, chemotherapy and radiation therapy. How often are these treatments combined? Well, often, in fact. and I would say that the majority of cancer treatments today involve more than one of these three treatments. Um, perhaps the most common example is early-stage breast cancer, where surgery plus radiation therapy is the absolute standard. Now, you said earlier that beyond these three major options, which have been around for years, there are other newer options. So, of course, as, as we're going to discuss later, it depends very much on the type of cancer and its stage and grade. Uh, but let's talk about the most common of these other options. So, one option, surprisingly enough, is, is actually to do nothing and just watch the cancer. Now, in many cases, or in, actually in most cases, this is a decidedly bad idea. But for some slowly growing tumors, like some prostate cancers, some rectal cancers, some lymphomas, just watching and waiting can make a lot of sense. And of course, the big plus of this approach is avoiding any treatment at all. Another option for prostate, for breast, and for ovarian cancer is hormone therapy. In these cancers, uh, actually natural hormones are typically stimulating the cancer to grow faster. So blocking these hormones can be very effective. And this is usually done in combination with one or more of the big three treatment options, that's surgery, chemotherapy, or radiation therapy. And then there's one option which is specific for the blood cancers. That's uh, leukemia, lymphoma, myeloma. And that's the bone marrow transplant, sometimes called a stem cell transplant. And here the idea is to extract some blood cells, either from the patient or a close relative, and then try to kill off all the remaining blood cells uh, in the patient, either with high-dose radiation or high-dose chemotherapy, and then finally to put cancer-free blood cells back into the patient. And finally, and this is fairly new, 
Um, there are a whole group of uh, new types of drugs which target specific genes or proteins uh, in the patient's cancer cells. The most common here are angiogenesis inhibitors, kinase inhibitors, proteasome inhibitors. And almost always these are given in combination with one or more of the big three treatment options. David, you said earlier that all of these treatment options, or rather the choice of these treatment options, depend very much on the type of the tumor as well as its grade and stage. I think you need to explain to us what you mean by grade and stage. So these two things tell us um, how aggressive the tumor is, um, how likely it is to spread, and also how, how advanced the tumor is, how big it is, and how much it's actually spread right now. And this grade and stage information typically comes from a tumor biopsy, where a small amount of tumor is actually removed and examined in detail, and also from imaging the tumor, often with a CT scan. So the grade of the tumor is basically a measure of just how aggressive the tumor is, how likely it is to spread. And the stage of the tumor is a measure of how advanced the tumor is. Is it still confined to the organ that it started in? Has it spread to nearby organs? Has it metastasized to faraway organs? Ooh, hold on a minute. That's the first time today we've heard that word metastasize. What does that mean? Uh, that's a good question. So, so a cancer can spread in basically two different ways. One is simply that it can grow larger and larger. But the second way it can spread is for a piece of the cancer actually to break off and end up in a different part of the body completely. This is then called a metastasis, or, or usually a met. And once, these, uh, once there are mets present, that very much defines the range of available treatment options. So let's now turn to focus on radiation therapy, our main topic today. Just how common is radiotherapy in the treatment of cancer? Well, it's extremely common, Eric. I would say that about half of all patients with cancer will end up being treated with radiation therapy, either on its own or in combination with another type of treatment. Uh, in fact, radiation therapy is one of the standard treatment options for almost all of the common cancers, such as breast, prostate, lung, cervix, uterus, brain, head and neck. So let's describe the main types of radiation therapy. So in a very real sense, there are really just two types of radiation therapy uh, that I'm going to call external and internal. So external radiotherapy is where the radiation comes from an external machine and then is precisely aimed towards the tumor. On the other hand, internal radiotherapy which is often called brachytherapy, involves using small pieces of radioactive material and placing them or implanting them right next to or even inside the tumor. The most common applications for internal radiotherapy are for cancer of the cervix or for prostate cancer. So let's start with external radiotherapy since it's the most common type. Let's talk more about that. Well, even external radiotherapy comes in a whole variety of flavors. Uh, mostly they use X-ray beams, with the X-rays coming from a small linear accelerator, or, or LINAC. The idea here is to expose the tumor from multiple different directions, always aiming directly at the tumor. And the concept here is that then the tumor will get a much larger radiation dose than any of the surrounding normal tissue. Uh, a few years ago, the standard external radiotherapy was called conformal radiotherapy as the idea was to make the radiation conform to the particular shape of the tumor. 
Nowadays, the state of the art is called IMRT, which stands for Intensity Modulated Radiation Therapy, which produces even less dose to the surrounding normal tissue. Well, I hear quite a lot these days about stereotactic radiotherapy. Uh, is that different from what you just talked about? Uh, no, it's just a slightly different technology. Uh, while standard external radiotherapy involves aiming X-rays from, say, three or four different directions, stereotactic radiotherapy involves aiming from tens or even hundreds of different directions. And again, the idea is to be able to de deliver even more radiation dose to the tumor and even less to the surrounding healthy normal tissue. This stereotactic radiotherapy can be done with a LINEC, just as we talked about for conventional radiotherapy, or with the so-called CyberKnife, which is a tiny, tiny LINEC, which is moved on the end of a robotic arm around the patient, or with a gamma knife, which involves a head frame containing hundreds of miniature radiation sources, all aimed at a brain tumor. David, another type of radiation therapy I keep hearing about is proton therapy. Very expensive, but supposed to be very good. What is that? So all the radiotherapy options that I've talked about so far have used X-rays. What proton therapy does is replace the X-rays with a beam of proton particles. So just like the X-rays, the protons are made inside an accelerator, uh, not a linear accelerator, a LINAC, but a much bigger circular accelerator. But the objective is just the same thing, to put as much radiation dose into the tumor as we can and to put as little radiation dose to the surrounding normal tissue as we can. And it turns out that protons can do this job just a little bit better than X-rays can. Uh, I should add that while we think that protons may be a little better than X-rays in, in some situations, uh, at this moment in time there are no clinical studies that prove this, either in terms of improved cure rates or in terms of less unwanted side effects. On the other hand, a proton machine costs a lot more than an X-ray machine, so now we're getting into the field of uh, healthcare economics. I think that's a subject for another podcast on another day. Oh, thanks, David, for that. Uh, let's talk now about the timing of radiotherapy. Is it ideally done in one session or just a few or many sessions? Uh, when, when I was treated for prostate cancer about 25 years ago, I had to show up for treatment five days a week for seven weeks, making 35 treatments in all. Nowadays, there are adverts on the radio and TV for prostate radiotherapy that involves only five treatments or even just one. Can you explain the different strategies behind these very different approaches? Sometimes when the radiation hits a cell, it doesn't actually kill it, but it does damage it. And the cell then can either repair itself and survive or fail to repair, repair itself and die. Now, ideally, you would want as many of the tumor cells as possible not to repair themselves and so die. And you'd also want as many of the, as possible of the surrounding normal healthy cells to repair themselves and survive. And it turns out, generally, the best way to do this is by dividing the treatment into many, many mini-treatments, or fractions, they're usually called. So that's why you had 35 fractions when you were treated with your prostate cancer. Uh, yes, that was explained to me at the time. But so why are people sometimes now being treated with five fractions or even fewer? Well, it's for a mixture of reasons. Some actually are new insights into the biology. In particular, for prostate cancer, it was pointed out, and I should say the people who first did point this out were you and me nearly 20 years ago, 
Anyway, it was realized that prostate cancer is quite unlike almost any other cancer, particularly because it generally grows very, very slowly, much more slowly than other cancers. And because of this, the rationale for using many treatment fractions simply doesn't apply for the prostate. You can't use just a single treatment for a variety of reasons, but just a few treatment fractions, each with a higher radiation dose than before, is generally okay for prostate cancer radiation therapy. The other reason for using smaller numbers of treatment fractions in radiotherapy is that the physics is getting better. Remember that the reason we divide the dose into many fractions is to minimize the radiation damage to the surrounding normal tissue. But remember also that the beauty, for example, of modern stereotactic radiotherapy is that it does result in much less radiation dose to the surrounding normal tissue. And less dose to the surrounding normal tissue means less side effects of the treatment. So there's less need to use lots of fractions to reduce the side effects because the stereotactic treatments are doing that already. So now we know something about the treatment options, let's suppose that you've just been diagnosed with cancer. What is the first thing to do? Well, before you can make any decisions about treatment choices, uh, as we've discussed, you really need to know the exact type of cancer, its grade and its stage. Generally, that information comes from both imaging, often CT scans, and a biopsy, where a small sample of the tumor is, is taken and examined by a hospital pathologist. And uh, the next step? Well, I think it's important at this stage that you talk to all of the specialists concerned. Representing the three main options that we've talked about will be the surgical oncologist, the radiation oncologist, and the medical oncologist. A medical oncologist, sometimes just called an oncologist, is the one who works with chemotherapy. It's important to talk to all of them, and of course they will be talking with each other. Sometimes there really is only one clear option, but other times there are going to be a variety of possible options. So why don't you give me an example of each of those situations? An easy decision and a tricky one. Well, I think early-stage breast cancer um, nowadays represents a comparatively easy decision, where a lumpectomy followed by radiation therapy is an extraordinarily successful treatment option. Of course, even here there are options. Um, women who have a strong family history of breast cancer or who have a genetic predisposition to breast cancer may be looking at other options. But an example where there is more like a 50-50 uh, option, I would mention early-stage prostate cancer, where surgery and radiation therapy, as far as we know, provide about the same cure rate. Then you're looking to other things like potential quality of life to make your decision. Quality of life uh, brings us to think about side effects. Uh, what are the unwanted side effects associated with radiation therapy? Well, it must be said that all cancer treatments necessarily have side effects. And I, I would say that my personal opinion on that is that in general, radiation therapy side effects are rather less worrisome than chemotherapy side effects and after surgery side effects. Uh, that's a very general statement, of course, and not always true. I would say that one important advantage of radiation therapy for some particular cancers is what is usually called organ preservation. I'm thinking of cancer in organs like the tongue, the larynx, as well as many head and neck cancers, 
where cancer surgery often has quite drastic cosmetic and even functional consequences. And here there may be major advantages to choosing radiation therapy. But coming back to the side effects of radiation therapy, what are the most common effects that people may experience? The most common side effects of radiation therapy are tiredness, skin soreness, diarrhea and nausea, hair loss and oral problems. And none of these are at all nice, uh, but generally they're all short term. Uh, a few types of radiation therapy treatment do have potential long-term side effects, and I'm thinking here particularly of prostate cancer radiotherapy. So here again, it's important to balance these long-term side effects against the side effects of, say, prostate surgery. Well, David, I very much agree with you that when there are treatment options for you to choose from, it's important to get the right balance for you, for you individually, a balance between cancer cure leading to long-term survival on the one hand and quality of life on the other. In terms of long-term effects of radiation therapy, one issue that we haven't yet talked about is radiation-induced cancer. After all, we've talked a lot in past podcasts about the fact that radiation can both cure cancer and cause cancer. Radiation, the two-edged sword we talked about. Should someone consider radiation therapy be concerned about the possibility that their radiation treatment might actually cause a second cancer? Yeah, this is uh, something I get asked about a lot. Uh, as we've talked about before, radiation can not only cure cancer, uh, but radiation can also cause cancer. Uh, but the first thing to be said here is that radiation therapy does, does not involve exposure to, of the whole body to radiation. Um, as we've talked about today, all of the technologies associated with radiation therapy are designed to put lots of radiation dose into the tumor itself uh, and to minimize the amount of radiation to the surrounding uh, normal tissue. And as the technology of radiation oncology has got better and better over the years with conformal radiotherapy, with IMRT, with stereotactic radiotherapy, and with proton radiotherapy, the normal tissues surrounding the tumor are, giving, are being given less and less radiation. And less radiation means less risk of any unwanted side effects, including cancer. So in practice, the risk of uh, a radiation-induced second cancer being produced by the radiotherapy, it's certainly real, but it's really very small indeed. Uh, thanks, David. That's uh, reassuring. Uh, now, let's move on. Suppose you opt for radiation therapy. The next choice you have to make is, where are you going to be treated? There are some centers for excellence for treatment. There are comprehensive and clinical cancer centers in every state, large and small hospitals. And finally, there are private radiotherapy treatment centers. How do you make the choice? Well, I think there are pluses and minuses to each of these. Uh, the bigger hospitals will, of course, have had more experience treating your disease, which unquestionably is a very, very good thing. But the smaller institutions may sometimes, not always, give you more personal attention. To me, the key is to be treated by an oncologist who has a lot of experience in treating the same type of cancer that you have. And the best radiotherapy needs an experienced radiotherapist, a good team in the background of physicists to design the best personalized treatment for you, and, of course, modern machines to deliver that treatment. Well, David, thank you. That's all we have time for today.
for anyone who has just been diagnosed with cancer, there are going to be decisions to be made. And usually, they have to be made in a relatively short time. We hope this discussion will be of help in choosing the most appropriate treatment for you. But remember, the decision is yours. Hopefully, you'll have your team of doctors, family, and friends around you. Use them all, talk to them all, use the internet. But in the end, make the decision that makes you feel the most comfortable. Just a reminder, please rate and review us on iTunes on the Men in Lead Aprons page. Or if you have comments and questions, please visit our website, which is crr.columbia.edu. There is a link to Men in Lead Aprons where you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us directly.